Hey, Mike, how are you doing today? Awesome. I am doing awesome, as usual. Well, I know you are, but today you're going to be even awesomer because we have a special guest going to be joining us. And not only joining us today, but we just signed him to a lifetime contract. He doesn't even know he signed it yet. But uh, no, we've got a very special guest, somebody that I've known for a number of years, and I am uh, really excited to uh, introduce Jersey Joe, and he is in New Jersey right now. I, I met him when he was in Colorado, but Joe is going to be doing a show from us or for us, unlike any show that anybody has ever seen or heard, and I really mean that. And uh, basically, the name of the show is The Situation with Jersey Joe, news and perspective you won't hear on TV. Hey, welcome, Joe. Thank you, Mike. Glad to have happy you with us. I'm happy to be here. Joe, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you think our listeners would want to listen to you? And what are your credentials and background that provide you with the knowledge and perspective that many of our listeners might not have. Well, uh, Mike, th thanks for uh, teeing that up for me. You know, I grew up in New Jersey, kind of a middle-class blue-collar family. Um, started my work life at about age 14, delivering newspapers in the snow at six o'clock in the morning, uh, you know, uh, mowing lawns, shoveling snow. You know, I wasn't a silver spoon, trust fund baby. Um, uh, in the summers, I worked my way through high school and college. My grandparents had a cattle ranch in upstate New York. I spent most of my summers loading uh, hay bales onto a flatbed wagon, you know, in 95 degree heat, uh, shoveling uh, manure out of horse stalls, uh, you know, working with cattle, working with horses, milking cows. Um, you know, our day started at sunrise and ended at sunset. Um, so, uh, but, you know, it's a you know, hard. So I know what hard work looks and feels like. Decided to become an engineer, you know, working and growing up on a farm. You wind up working on balers and tractors and mowing machines and kind of like mechanical stuff. So I went to college, become an engineer, uh, worked my way through college, student loans, which I paid off, by the way. Uh, got recruited out of college to go to work for a Fortune 50 company in their field service division. Uh, oh, Joe, can I ask yeah. you, what, what college did you graduate from or did you get your uh, degree from? It was the Stevens Institute of Technology, which is uh, sometimes referred to as the MIT of New Jersey. Yeah. It's one of the top ranked engineering schools in the country. Uh, so Stevens Tech in New Jersey, mechanical engineer. Um, went to work for Carrier Air Conditioning in their industrial field service group, and that's the uh, division that, that provides air conditioning systems for hospitals, data centers, Air Force bases, nuclear reactor buildings. I've spent time in nuclear reactors. Um, uh, you know, I've been in hospitals at 2 o'clock in the morning when they've had an outage, and I've been there working side by side with our technicians. Um, Wound up, I guess I did a good job because after a couple of years, they asked me to go up and, and run the entire North American operation for uh, the company, which I was doing. Um, and at the time, that would be, at the time, that was about a $500 million division, which would be over a billion dollars today. Wow. Uh, and then they asked me to, I, I guess I did a good job because they asked me to take responsibility for carriers' global service operations. And this was back in the 90s when they were acquiring companies in Europe and Asia Pacific and South America. 
So um, as we were acquiring those companies, um, uh, my job was to go work with them to help them uh, transition their service groups from a, call, a warranty cost center into a profit center. So over the next oh, six or seven years, I filled two passports uh, traveling around the world. Uh, I was in communist China, South America, Saudi Arabia, Singapore, Australia. So I, I've seen a lot. Um, done a lot. Uh, I've seen how like what life is like in other countries. Yeah. Uh, came back uh, to the United States, and Carrier asked me to to take on a couple of manufacturing facilities and to learn about manufacturing. One of the things I would do is uh, I would volunteer to work the six a.m. shift in some of the production lines. So I'd be out there with my gloves and safety glasses, working side by side with our production workers, just so I could understand and appreciate what life was like in the production line, which helped me make better decisions in terms of what our what our employees and team members needed. So, Thank you. Great corporations do that. I've worked in manufacturing most of my life. And um, whenever we needed some valued input, it wouldn't be from the guy sitting at the desk next to me. It would be on the floor. Exactly. But side by side with those people doing a job. So I yep. really appreciate that. Yeah, but you know, I, I said, look, uh, we didn't. When we hired you, we didn't just hire your hands and your back. We hired your brain, and uh, we want to take full advantage of your knowledge. So we would always involve our team members when we were making decisions that would affect uh, how they did their jobs. Uh, very great time in my life. Um, but after twenty some years with Carrier, and I was living in Syracuse, which, by the way, was an awful place to live. My wife and I had some. some <laughs> uh, my wife and I, we were we were into horses. We had horses and. Um, uh, one day the phone rang and it was a recruiter and he said, Joe, we've got this opportunity to, for you to run a company in Denver, Colorado. Uh, how, you know, how'd you like to come move out of Syracuse to Denver? And I said, well, let me jump on a plane and take a look. And what's not to like about Denver, as Austin can attest to. Absolutely. So, so we moved to Denver in 94 and spent 25 years there, had a little horse farm, raised horses, did a lot of trail riding. Um, still continue to shovel manure out of stalls, by the way. <laughs> Here I was the CEO of a corporation, and on the weekends when our barn guy, you know, had off, uh, my job was I was still shoveling horse manure on the weekends. Just can't uh, get away from it, Joe. <laughs> kind of like being in radio. <laughs> yep. By the way, I did I did discover the fortune of how to uh, the uh, the secret of how to make a small fortune in the horse business, and the way you do that is you start with a very large fortune, and before you know it, you'll have a small fortune. Right. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's how you make a small fortune in the horse business. Um, got a couple of hobbies. Um, I'm a, a licensed commercial pilot. I've racked up several thousand hours on my logbook. Uh, for many years, I had my own plane. Um, I got recruited by, well, but before that, by the way, I did start, uh, after that company that I was working for got sold uh, to a big Fortune 100 company. Uh, I did start, uh, founded, and, and ran a couple of multi companies that are multi-million dollar companies, very successful companies. Um, at one point, I was asked to go uh, move to Illinois, which I didn't want to do. And just about the time I was mulling that over, I got approached by a venture capital group uh, to run one of their companies. And I said, can I stay here in Denver? They said, yep. So I did that. And we uh, it was a great, uh, great opportunity at the conclusion of that uh, episode of my life. These guys were all Wharton venture, you know, Wharton MBAs said, Joe, you know, 
we don't have anybody with operating expertise on our team. How'd you like to come be a, a partner in our venture capital group? And your job is going to be to, to look at potential acquisitions, uh, tell if they think it's a good company to make an investment in, and if we invest in those companies, to work with the management teams to help them accelerate the growth of the company and improve their profitability and grow their market shares. And so for the past 20 some years, that's what I've been doing. I've been one of those evil venture capitalists, uh, proud to say that there's never been a single company that we've been involved in where we didn't grow the employee base and improve the employee wage scales and benefits. Uh, one of the things I learned early on is that your most important assets are your people. And not only do you need to attract good people, one of the keys to success is not only attracting them, but keeping them and keeping them happy. Uh, so that's been kind of our business model, attract and retain top talent. And that's what I've been working on. And at the moment, um, I'm still involved. I'm on the board of directors of two oil field services companies in Texas. So when it comes to topics like the oil industry and fracking and is fracking good or bad and what is fracking, I am intimately familiar with what goes on in the oil fields. I, I've spent many, many hours next to an oil rig or next to a fracking operation. So I can, one of the things I'll be talking about at some point, not today, but in future shows is, you know, what is fracking and is it bad for the environment? So that's the, the type of insight I would hope to share with your listeners. That would be a great topic uh, to share. Uh, especially nowadays when uh, is is it worth the venture to do it? Uh, what is the cost associated with it? Is it good? Is it bad? You can bring that to light. And I can absolutely talk about that. I can tell people how long, it, how much it costs to drill an oil well, how long it yeah. takes to drill an oil well and, and all the other ins and outs. Um, I'm also a um, uh, avid hunter. I, I probably have more guns than I should. <laughs> is that possible <laughs> yeah not not in today's world <laughs> wow uh, uh kind of a say and my political uh, where is it political <clears throat> i like to excuse me i'm i'm a kind of a lit conservative libertarian i'm a fiscal conservative but i'm kind of a, a social progressive if if two gay people want to get married you know god bless them i think it's great you know i, I you know i i've not hung up on the social aspects but from a but I think liberty and freedom, I think less government is better. And, uh, Joe, I have a question for you. I, I know you're a Mensa member. Could uh, you kind of explain what a Mensa member is and what it takes to become a Mensa member? Uh, Mensa, uh, Mike, that's the, for those who are not familiar, never heard the term Mensa, M-E-N-S-A, is a uh, international high IQ society. Um, it's for people who have an IQ in the top 2% of, of, um, uh, of the population. Uh, you have to have a IQ above 150. Um, and it's a great organization. They, they have a great knowledge sharing. Uh, you know, there's great newsletters, magazines to learn things. I've I learned it. You know, I think I know a lot, but every month when I read the monthly Mensa publication, uh, I, I learn new things every month and I intend to share with the audience, some of the things I learned in terms of science, technology. Right. Um, in fact, one of the things I will do from time to time is I'm going to call it the science minute. And whether we talk about black holes or fission versus versus fusion reactions, uh, you know, uh, artificial intelligence, uh, you know, I find some of those things fascinating. And I would hope to share some of the more interesting things with your listeners. Well, I'm looking forward to that myself. 
Boy, I am too. I really am. It's going right. to be good stuff. Okay. You know, the one thing that Joe can do, and I've watched him do it, uh, he still knows the art of discussion and debate. Um, you know, anymore, uh, the world has become very, very political. And you walk into a room and you announce that you're a conservative and somebody else says they're a liberal immediately you guys don't like each other <laughs> you may not know why but you know you've been told by cnn or fox or whatever program you know you listen to and watch that the other side is evil and you know i've i'm conservative but i've gone over to some of the liberal sites and i know joe has too and i know the other side is just as passionate about their position as I am about mine. And a lot of times we say the same thing about the other side and just substitute names. Mm -hmm. And then when we run out of ammunition and facts and figures, we we're reduced to calling each other names. And when you get there, you're done. But I've watched Joe on live radio discuss with a guy, not scold him. He was very respectful, but the, the uh, show host uh, that he was a guest on was very much in favor of gun control, meaning that he didn't think anybody should have guns. And by the end of the show, Joe had turned him around with compelling facts and figures and convinced him that his side may not be the, the best side to be on. And it, it was such a beautiful thing to watch. We don't see that very much. And I know Joe's going to get into that during his show from time to time. And um, the idea is not to argue with somebody, but win them over to your side. And uh, Jersey Joe's a master at that. So I'm real excited about that. And, and Hans, I agree with you. I go on some of those sites occasionally and, uh, you know, I'll put up a, you know, a very factual, you know, I'll make a comment. Well, that's not correct. And and very, very quickly, unfortunately, not every time, but too many times, it'll very quickly degenerate into, you know, name calling. Oh, yeah. Uh, All right. Uh, you know, there, there's a saying that uh, is sometimes attributed to Socrates that said that says when the debate is lost, slander becomes the tool of the loser. Absolutely. Uh, which I remind people of. But, you know, if you've resorted to name calling, you've already lost. Yep. Without a doubt. Everybody in the room knows it, but you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, uh, it's it's going to be a fun run. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I truly am. Um, we're gonna we're gonna get this kicked off here, uh, just within the next couple or next few days, and uh, you'll be able uh, to to watch this the show on our website. You'll be able to go to our YouTube channel and watch it on demand whenever it's convenient for you. And the show will play at a regular time, same day, every week, week in, week out. And so you'll be able to listen to the audio just like you would any other radio show. So we have not picked a time slot yet, but we will start advertising that here in the next week or so to let everybody know when to tune in. But, uh, Joe, I cannot thank you enough uh, for the opportunity the, uh, of sharing what 
you know with us and our listeners. Um, this is going to be a lot of fun. Right. And also, if I can, just want to talk a, a few uh, comments about how I intend the format of the show to go. You know, Mark Absolutely. Twain, Mark Twain once said, uh, started a letter to a friend by saying, sorry, this letter is so long, I didn't have time to write a short one. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you know, uh, and I, I've never listened to, you know, I've, I've sampled guys like Hannity and when he was alive, you know, Rush Limbaugh and some of these guys. Yeah. And I just stopped listening to them because they would go on for an hour or two hours, just trying, you know, the same two hours on a topic. You know, if you can't get your point across in five or ten minutes, you know, uh, you're not doing your homework. Absolutely. So, so I don't intend to ever, you know, if it's 30 minutes, I would hope to cover three or four topics in the 30 minutes. A quick, you know, five minutes on this, six minutes on that. Um uh, in addition to the kind of the news of the day and perspective, and when I say perspective, for instance, you'll you'll re, you'll hear uh, on the news, you know, Republicans voted against bill to save the baby seals. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, well, you know, why did they vote against? Is it because they they like you know baby seals being killed? No, that's not the reason. There was clearly some other reasons why they voted against the bill, not because they don't like baby seals. So. Right. What you won't hear is when you hear about, you know, the evil Republicans voted against the, the bill to save the baby seals. You're going to hear the as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story. What was the logic? What was, you know, why did they vote against the bill? What else was buried in the bill? Yeah, and it certainly had nothing to do with baby seals. Um, as I mentioned, I like to occasionally throw in a, you know, a brief thing on, on developments in science, artificial intelligence, the environment. Um, I'd like to uh, include a quote of the day. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of you know some of the great thinkers of our time, uh, you know, living and dead. Um, I also intend to have a, a, a show segment I call Taxpayer Relief no, Shots. And I think the best way to explain that, Hoss, could you play the, the clip of the sheriff of Santa Rosa County, uh, Florida, explaining exactly what a taxpayer relief shot is? Absolutely. I'll be glad to do that. Here we go. Thank you, Haas. All right. So basically what a taxpayer relief shot is, uh, when a, uh, a private citizen uses a weapon to uh, defend themselves or a member of their family uh, against the threat of serious bodily injury or death at the hands of an assailant or thug, and that assailant or thug winds up dead. As the sheriff points out, uh, if you kill the guy who's been trying to harm you or your family, uh, you've saved the taxpayers the cost of a jury trial, which typically involves a court-appointed attorney for the defendant. If he's found guilty, you're talking about incarceration at a cost of fifty dollars to $60,000 a year. He goes out on parole, then there's probationary expenses. So uh, when ordinary citizens legally use a gun uh, to defend themselves, and they wind up killing the bad guy. I'm going to call the good guy with the gun, kills the bad guy. You are, in fact, saving taxpayers money. So I intend to include a segment of like that in my 30-minute show. I love it. I I'm love going to it. tune into that one. <laughs> uh, I strongly feel that we incarcerate people um, justly so, but we give them too many opportunities through appeal that costs the government uh way too much money the people i just, that's who the government really is it's right. the citizen it's costing us thousands and thousands of dollars 
to put these people away only to have them go through the appeal process when they're in, they know they're guilty and they know it's fruitless. Um, they're not going to win these appeals, but they have to abide by the law, and the law says you can appeal. I think that's where we're really extending that law too much. Well, you know, years ago, there was a, uh, a murder took place here in Phoenix, and um, uh, the, the gentleman who got killed's name was Don Bowles. Don Bowles was a reporter for the Arizona Republic newspaper, and uh, it was a mafia-style hit. And they took him out because he he knew some stuff that he shouldn't shouldn't know. And I happened to be good friends with uh, a gentleman who was one of the attorneys general for the state of Arizona, and he was the lead prosecutor uh, on this case. And he gave a presentation one evening and basically had what appeared to be a scroll, but he just unrolled it and held it up as high as he could. And it went down to the floor and he said, this is the appeal process. And if everything happens like clockwork, it's going to take at least 10 years to get through the process. <laughs> now there's a time for an appeal and a time for sentencing and be done with it. And, you know, we just, I don't know, we, our, our country is really in trouble right now. And I, I'm, I'm very fearful for it. Um, we need so many things to be reformed. We need to get back to basics. And, um, you know, I know Joe's going to shed some light on some of this stuff in a way that, again, you're not going to see on Fox News. You're not going to see on CNN. Um, you know, they, they say that, you know, we're, we're presenting you with the truth. Well, maybe what they're saying is, in fact, truthful, mm -hmm. but they're not telling you the whole story. Exactly. And so you can put a spin on anything you want to make the facts, you know, sound the way you want them to. In fact, when we typically, not Joe, because I've, I've seen what he does, but when, when the rest of us go and we want to do our due diligence and we want to fact check something, we, where do we go? We start off with Google usually, or one of the sites on online and the moment we find a narrative that supports our belief we feel vindicated right there it is it proves well, I, my I, point actually Haas, there's a name for that and it's referred to as confirmation bias and, and it actually takes two forms one many people will read something outrageous but because they want to believe it they don't even bother to fact check it sure um then two on those for the minority who said you know uh, let me let me double check that that they'll they'll glom onto the first uh, Google hit they see that appears to confirm their pre-existing uh, bias, and yep. they'll ignore all of the others. Um, and by the way, so on, so con I'll talk about confirmation bias, and let me talk about some of the other things that I'm going to talk about. Okay. And by the way, I, I read stuff like that, and I say, you know. That, that sounds great if it's true, but is it true? And I'll dig through, even though it's something I want to believe, I'm not going to believe it just because I read it on the internet. So absolutely, here's some of the topics that I'm, I intend to cover in the weeks to come. Uh, one, why is social security going broke and how to fix it? Uh, already mentioned, you know, what is fracking? Is it, is it dangerous to the environment? 
Uh, well, I'm a fan of electric cars, but uh, not because I think they're environmentally friendly. Um, why wind and solar will never replace fossil fuels, a power generation, and why nuclear power should. Why the Hoover Dam might stop producing electricity in five years. Who pays the lion's share of income taxes in this country? And who is paying almost nothing or less than nothing in taxes? Um, why was the last... Why did the last assault weapons ban not accomplish what people think it did and why a new one wouldn't prevent or diminish the frequency of mass shootings? Why high-speed rail in the United States will never become a reality in your lifetime? Who controls the price of a barrel of oil and hint it's not the oil companies? Why politicians vote against bills with altruistic names like Save the Baby Seals that I mentioned earlier? No. Will, will melting solar ice caps raise the level of the oceans? Hint, they won't. Uh, how tiny imbalances between supply and demand can result in huge price swings in commodities. And finally, uh, things like the annual FBI crime report, which I take apart and uh, dissect and, and uh, talk about who's killing who, who's getting killed, who's doing the killing, what's happening to violent crime, what impact on, on uh, murders and homicides have the increase in guns have in this country over the past 20 years. So those are some of the things I intend to cover in the coming weeks. Cannot wait to get started, my friend. What a lineup. Yeah, it's going to be what great. A lineup. Wow. Going to be great. Well, again, thank you, sir. Uh, I appreciate the time you've, you've given us today. Uh, we are just about ready to go live with all of this. And uh, we, uh, we've got quite a lineup coming. And I'm glad that you are right now you're the leader of the pack I, I i like what you're doing you're going to talk about some sensitive uh topics and that's great we're not going to be afraid to touch on anything we're going to do everything in a family friendly manner so it's it's not going to be name calling and and the stuff that you may hear elsewhere um i'm remember uh, i'm thinking about jack webb i think jack webb said something about it's the facts, man, only yeah, or the just facts. the facts. Yeah. So, <laughs> and that's what we're going to be talking about. That's what Joe's going to be talking about. So um, sit tight, buckle yourself in because this is going to be a great ride. So Joe, until, uh, until next week, uh, when you get started, we are uh, going to be out of here again. Thanks for your time, Mike. It's always a pleasure to see you. Absolutely. Yeah. And welcome aboard, Joe. We're looking forward to it. And by the way, if any of your listeners has a topic they'd like me to opine on, um, I've got an email, which is joe at jerseyjoe.com. And jersey is spelled J-E-R-Z-E-E, -E, jersey, double E. So if you want to send me an email and say, Joe, can you talk about this? Uh, just send me an email to joe at jerseyjoe.com. And if, if uh, you disagree with Joe, if you think he's off base, let him know. He'll discuss that. He's not afraid to to discuss that in fact you may even wrangle yourself a spot uh, as a guest on his show and you guys can discuss it in front of everybody so with that said we'll see you guys next week thanks again take care All right. take care guys. Hey, uh